Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Anita tells the story of a young, brilliant African-American, Anita Hill, who was accused who accuses the Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas of unwanted sexual advances during an explosive Senate hearing in 1991 and ignites a political firestorm firestorm about harassment, sexual harassment, race, power, and the politics that resonated 20 years ago and to, to this day still resonates. Anita is a dramatic look at the consequences uh, to a private citizen acting out of civic duty to speak truth to power. We're joined today by the director of the documentary, Anita, that is Frida Lemock. Frida, welcome to Film School. Thank you. I'm delighted to be on your film school. So. Uh, th- oh, thank you. Um, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about, well, we'll get into the sort of the history, the back story on Anita, but I want to ask you just in terms of uh, uh, if you... Were, how familiar were you with Anita Hill, the person, before you started this project uh, of the Anita, the documentary? I, I virtually knew nothing about Anita Hill, the person, uh, where she came from, uh, even though that factual de- information was presented at the hearing, but it was lost to me in the fascination of just the combatants mm-hmm. of that time. It just, it's, you know, the, the hearings were so... Uh, amazing, mm-hmm. but apparently I, I, I didn't. I didn't remember that she was number the last of thirteen children. That she grew up on a farm in in Oklahoma. Uh, so the factual facts. I thought, you know, maybe it's mine. I, I didn't realize she was a professor of law. I mean, I was really, you might say, blank on her personal mm-hmm. story. So mm-hmm. going into this film uh, three years ago, um, it was a great opportunity to to really try to understand who is this person who's had a profound impact on the historical change in the workplace for uh, men and women. Now, now what, I mean, was there so, some event in your life, or did you read about Anita that, uh, Hill and decided, well, you know, wow, there, you know, this is an opportunity to revisit the, the, uh, the history of this. What, was there a particular event that caused you to want to do a documentary on her? Uh, not in terms of that thought uh, as, as, as intellectual as that. Actually, about four, uh, about uh, half a year, right before I started the film in 2010, mm-hmm. I received a telephone call from a friend of hers asking if I would send a film I had done on Tony Kushner, mm-hmm. the playwright mm-hmm. who wrote Angels of America. And, and this friend liked the, liked the film a great deal, thought it was really well made. And I said, sure. And so it was, it was that phone call because she said to me that this person I'd like to see this film, she didn't tell me it was Anita Hill because she's a friend. She wanted to keep initially that private, I think. But that uh, um, she just mentioned, oh, this person's often asked if she would cooperate in the film. So uh, it's sort of like I, I heard that, you know. Mm-hmm. And then finally when I, I, I asked her, okay, let me, you know, give me the address and the name. And, and I heard Anita Hill. I just like a light bulb went on. And I said, Oh, I was a document, a film about Anita Hill. It sounds like a great idea. You know, who is she? What happened to her? I mean, that's uh, and so it was only that phone call at that moment. I had not given a huge amount of thought about doing a film at all, uh, but obviously the idea of Anita Hill film struck a deep chord, yeah. and it related to what I had probably felt twenty years ago, or you know, eighteen years ago at that time. 
Um, so I sent her the film on Tony Kushner. I also included the Maya Lin film, which a lot of people know about. Mm-hmm. Academy Award winning film yeah. of yours, 19. Okay. Yeah, thank you. And I just wrote her a note. I said, uh, if you're thinking of saying yes to a filmmaker, would you consider me? And that was it. And so she called not long afterwards. And I, I absolutely at that time had no idea what the film would be because I usually you know, take time to do, you know, sort of background research, you know, to read primary sources, secondary sources, to really get an understanding of the big picture. Uh, of of a of a, a story or an ideas before starting to film. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I you know uh, you know she and I went back and forth and emailed uh, to start dialogue about what this film might be, and um, she felt comfortable enough to entrust her life um, for me to make into a film documentary and. Uh, mm. Well, that, that now that that's that's sort of is uh, one phase of a of a question I w- you've sort of answered, but uh, the the idea of her trusting, especially in a public realm, uh, has to be something that would give her pause, no matter who asked. Did it? Correct. Did you did you feel uh, that you needed to prove something to her, or what was that sort of interaction in gaining her her trust? What was that like for you and her? Um, it, it was pretty simple. I just you okay. know I, I actually didn't see her hmm. until the first day of filming uh, in January 2010 when we filmed the Martin Luther King uh, keynote speech she gave gave in Vermont. Um, and uh, I, I hear her when she talks in Q and A. She said she trusted me, mm-hmm. and I think that's what just that's what happened. You know, I, I I just said this is what I'd like to do. I think I'll, I told her I didn't really have an idea yet because I hadn't started doing the research when we first started conversing. I just said I I believed it would be about the life and times of Anita Hill. Mm-hmm. That was it, mm-hmm. and it would be her story that hadn't been told because I felt I didn't know the story, and I therefore felt that the American public didn't, and she having change the course of history for millions of women and men, I felt merited a, 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 a film that would explain and help us understand, you know, where she came from, how she come to be this fixture on television in that blue dress and, and how she uh, changed the lives of working women and men. And uh, what is her legacy, both in terms of her own life and, and in terms of the, the issue of sexual harassment? Because there were a lot of things I, I felt, I, and I just, can't, I just forthright. I mean, I'm pretty, you know, forthright about where I am with us mm-hmm. uh, an issue, and it wasn't a matter of, you know, it was sort of like this is where I am, and I, I, I if you were to talk, ask her, she'd explain a little more that I, I there were no conditions in filming. Mm-hmm. She just said yes. yes. She didn't um, say there were off limits. Um, but I felt there were boundaries, you know. She's a very private person, and I was aware that I wasn't going. I just knew I, I certain things I I wouldn't ask her. But actually, it worked itself in the film. The story of her longtime partner Chuck Malone, yeah. which I love that it was got in the film. I would never have asked her about her her long time. Mm-hmm. But one day, he said to her, "I would like Frida to film me to uh, to to, uh, to interview me." Uh, and obviously, it was an interview about their relationship. Mm-hmm. And of course, I jumped at the opportunity yeah. because it really filled in something that I believe the audience was felt good about in the sense that, as Anita said to me, when people meet her today, they are, they expect her to wear the blue dress, and they are very happy to see a relief or relieved 
that she's okay, yeah. that she's she's gone on with her life, and she has, you know, obviously a very rich and purposeful life. I mean, I think many felt how wrenching it was to see her uh, grilled by 14 white middle-aged men. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Well, so, let, let, let's back up a step, because there are a lot in the audience that, that 20 uh, years ago is more than a lifetime. And um, so... Uh, in in the film Anita, um, speaking the truth to power, the uh, you do you do chronicle her her upbringing and where she came from and a little bit of the family history and her parents and one of thirteen kids. But she's a law professor coming into the hearing where all know her from the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings. Um, tell us a little bit about her background so we have a context to understand yes. her. Yes, well. Um, she comes from a, a farming family uh, raised in a small town in uh, Lone Tree, Oklahoma, south of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, I think that she's the third generation of a family that really, I feel, mir- mirrors the African-American life in that her grandfather w- was born a slave. Um, he was freed. He became a slave. Uh, you know, he was property, as she says, and he became a property owner within one generation. Mm-hmm. And he was threatened with being lynched, and so he moved the family quickly uh, into Oklahoma, and that's where the second and third generation were raised. Uh, and then um, she was off. Um, anyway, she she went on to law school at Yale, and, and uh, ended up practicing uh, in the early '80s uh, in, in Washington, both privately and then ending up in, in the government, working for Clarence Thomas, who is now our Supreme Court Justice. Mm-hmm. And it was because of that relationship in the early '80s that she became. A, a person of interest to the Senate Judiciary Committee when they were evaluating uh, Clarence Thomas for uh, the position on the Supreme Court. Um, but uh, by the time she came, came to um, the hearings, she had uh, been teaching a law right. uh, in Oklahoma. So she came to the hearing as a full tenured professor of law at the University of Oklahoma. Right. Well, the first African American. Just one, one point I think needs to be made here, and that is... Um, her the time that she spent with Clarence Thomas uh, was when he was the head of the Equal Opportunity um, Equal Opportunity Commission, I believe is what yeah. it's called, and yes. he, and and part of the responsibility uh, of that commission was to uh, essentially set in place sort of a regulatory framework for sexual harassment in the in the in the uh, workplace, right? Correct, and that was the irony that the chair of the EEOC the Eco- the Economic uh, uh, Employment Commission. Yeah. Um, it was um, being accused of sexually harassing his uh, employee or his subordinate. Yeah. Uh, and that, in fact, there were three other women subpoenaed for that weekend who would have corroborated um, Professor Hill's testimony had they been called. And the and, um, and so that that was the irony that. Um, it's like the, what is it, the, uh, the college children have no shoes, <laughs> you know, is yeah. that yeah. you practice and, and preach one thing, but that in the, you know, in, in a personal way, if this is true, that you harassed, you know, your job is to, to um, you know, to, to, to seek justification for these claims. Yeah. And, and yet, how, 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 what kind of a chairperson are you if there are allegations that you uh, privately... Uh, do the exact thing that publicly you're supposed to uphold uh, against. You know. 
Well, well, one of the things about the Equal Opportunity Commission was uh, it was a, it was a it was a byproduct of of an era in which civil rights were expanding uh, for much of the American public in terms of civil rights and um, women's rights and all. And uh, to give a little bit of historic context to it as well, Clarence Thomas, uh, African-American, uh, nominated by uh, the first, George the first, George Bush, uh, President Bush, in 1991, I believe, is uh, the, uh, he was nominated yeah. to fill, I forgot whose position, oh, Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall, of course. He, he was filling the, the yes. spot of the first African-American yes. Supreme Court Justice. Right. Yeah, who was known as a champion of the civil rights, uh, um, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and so in this context, and and the Republicans who um, in that in that decided, or the Bush administration, and certainly with the support of the Senate, uh, the Republican Senate, uh, were uh, determined to nominate a conservative Republican African American, and they found Clarence Thomas. I, I don't think this is. I'm speaking out of school here. I think this is what they had made it. They wanted a conservative justice. And the fact that they found a Republic, uh, a, an African American conservative, uh, was just a, a boon to them. It would, and and it. This is where things got a, a bit of a political swamp because you had an African American head of the Equal Opportunity Commission being accused by an African American woman of sexual harassment, and 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 so this was this volatile mix. Yeah, and uh, one one last thing before I let you speak, and that is uh, that uh, in this these hearings were be- quickly became headline material, dominated the news, and we rarely have ever see this anymore. But it was broadcast on all the major networks. It was the story for for much of uh, the time that uh, Clarence Thomas was being considered. Yeah, I, I think people will remember the day where, where, where they were, you know, so one of those national moments yeah. when you remember where you were that day, yeah. that weekend, yes. And it was a, a long weekend because it was Columbus Day weekend, so people had the time to sit around and watch TV, you know, from Friday to Sunday night, yeah. So so this hearing, uh, and again, Clarence Thomas being considered, and Anita Hill steps forward, and you can even tell in the testimony. By the way, you mentioned I think was it fourteen senators on the on the uh, yeah, well, ju- fourteen correct fourteen Senate Judiciary members, and all of whom at that time were white. Right. I mean, the, 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 as someone said, the, the the optics of seeing you know fourteen white men again, uh, with or against this one alone right. woman who was African American sitting alone, right. you know, right. uh, it was quite dramatic. I think just the, the visuals were said more than words could say, you know. <laughs> yeah. And all of them, or uh, to a person on that committee, uh, they seem to be hell-bent on the most salacious a- angle of questioning that they could f- they could dredge up in asking her about the things. The things that they were, and I'm, this is at my editorializing here a little bit, uh, Frida, That's and that right. is that they were essentially guilty they were perpetuating the same mythology and and mindset that Anita Hill was there to tell them she was a victim of yes so they were asking her about pubic hairs and and the size of penises and all all of this it's it's unfathomable that a man would have been subjected to a a, a uh, reciprocating kind of situation involving a woman in this kind of a power dynamic. It's it you, it's not going to happen, 
and you watch it. And when you watch it now, and this is the power of Anita speaking truth to power, is just how clear it is. So that's my editorial. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, was that when you were watching these tapes after years and years? D- is it just it's it's too hard to miss at this point when you're watching them? Well, I mean, you just it's, you you draw you actually your draw your mouth drops because you think that was actually not that long ago, right? I mean, Twenty years for you know um, it's it's one decade one life it's it's uh, one generation, yeah. Okay? But it's not like eight, not like Civil War time, and that you think. People talk to people that way. They they would use the word "Are you a scorned woman?" Yeah, yeah. And of course, when Senator Simpson yeah. talked about sex harassment, he wouldn't dare say that today. Only twenty years ago, he said, "This is crap." crap. Yeah. I mean, it was a shocking for me twenty years later to hear that. Eighteen when I first started. So, um, it, it just curiosity. You look at these people who are some who are still with us. And um, yeah. I think they've learned a lot in the 20 years <laughs> what's appropriate and not appropriate. Mm-hmm. I think they gained, you know, after that because of the public reaction, particularly women, they quickly learned and maybe they heard from their wives and, the, and their uh, daughters who are working that what Anita was saying was very much their own experience in working. It's funny because in the, in the, in the film, uh, Anita, there is a, um, uh, you see, people in the audience re- reacting and you see there's a row of women sitting there well well alan simpson is saying this is a load of crap the body language is pretty obvious from the yeah. women in in that in that particular shot as to you know the disgust they must have just been disgusted by this clown i'm gonna call him, call him a clown he was a clown he still is as far as i'm concerned but uh uh and, and um I don't even, you know, I realize, and I, I concede that at the time, sexual harassment was for most people uh, a, something that were, were just wasn't something that was thought of or dealt with, or uh, it just was a, a matter of due course for, for most people. Yeah, do you, it, was, do you, it was like going, it, that was part of going to work. That was all. Mm-hmm. And actually, even the word sexual harassment was a foreign um, words that people, they, they, they didn't say the word but comfort the way they would now, you know. You saw, you know, you know, last year when the generals were testifying about sexual harassment in the military. Right. You see, they proudly talked about trying to deal with this. They, you know, they, they could say that word, sexual harassment, and say it's not right. But it, it was very foreign and uncomfortable. Do you, do you think we, do you think we push the, the, the meter? Um, the right way on this. I mean, you you feel like there's a lot of progress or some progress, or there's been some, definitely absolutely some progress in the workplace. The fact that that, that that there's a recognition that sexual harassment does take place and that it is unacceptable, at least in the workplace, because we know that um, in in, in uh, companies of 50 or more, there is laws mandating that uh, the sexual harassment training yeah. be given to management. So there's. Um, you know, there's, there's really educating um, the, the people to say what is appropriate and not appropriate and what are the consequences. Yeah. So, yes, we, we, we've made great strides in at least recognizing the problem and uh, putting in place clearly, you know, what, what a step you can do um, to protect your rights. At the same time, of course, you, you know, you, you do one step forward, you hear two steps backwards, you still hear, you know, stories of, such, you know, the, the, the mayor of, San Diego, you know, in his work environment, he's yeah. just pawing women, you know, <laughs> you know, it just, it, it just depends on the person and the, the, the power and the dynamics. 
in a work environment. Well, now going and going back to Anita in the case of Clarence Thomas, who, who, um, is it is it a fair thing to say that in in the context of the the hearings, that it, it very quickly flipped, and this is a along the same discussions we're having about sexual harassment, that somewhere in the hearings, very, very quickly, it turned from sexual harassment to uh, where and said, uh, where Clarence Thomas was being held to account for his actions, to suddenly it became Anita Hill, who was on trial for her veracity, yeah. and, and also the power dynamic of men in power positions over women. Did that yes. did that strike you watching you know rewatching some of these things? Uh, uh, yes, still it was that um, the patriarchal dynamics. If you think about it, was very much in play. That if it were a woman and a man who are both blacks, who would you think has a higher uh, level of power and credibility? Yeah, you know, it would definitely be a man who happened to be uh, black. So as she said, uh, oftentimes it, he was, they divide up, she, he was, or had a race, which is black, and, and she had a gender, she's a woman. But in fact, you know, it's a silly way to divide someone because she's a person who's obviously both of those, so has a race and a gender. And, uh, but somehow that, that, that got mixed up. And so I, I, I think um, to the panel of 14 members, uh, that also became something that, that that was hard for them to handle, and so they just backed away when it became a race issue, right. you know. And when the high tech, uh, you know, charge was made, um, it really changed the dynamics in the room from one of looking at sexual harassment to one of is this man being victimized for his race. Right. And, and so the whole thing became, you know, the issue got lost. And for people, yeah, if people don't remember, the, uh, at one point. Clarence Thomas, when he was testifying on his own behalf uh, to become the uh, Supreme Court Justice, he called what was being said about him a high-tech lynching, which in- evoked an awful lot of racial dynamics into what was really initially by Anita Hill about his behavior, not about his race, obviously, Exactly. Uh, but it was about his behavior as a man in 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 a workplace environment with a woman and the power dynamic that's in place oftentimes. Exactly. Well, it was a brilliant strategy. Yeah. For it, at a time when his uh, his there was a threat to his, in fact, being not confirmed. I think mm-hmm. he was fighting for his position. He was fighting to actually be confirmed. And uh, that was a way for him to um, really be aggressive about what he felt was going on. And, and it worked because no one wants to be accused of participating in a lynching. And, and yet that's a race card position that is the two African-American lawyers in the film, Professor Oakletree yeah. and John Carsey, that's, you know, that's, that's what about the high-tech lynching of women that was going on? What happened to Emmita Hill? Right. You know, I mean, and also, you know, John Carr just like rolls his eyes, you know, that the people who were really lynched you know, would be rolling over in the grave because, you know, Mr. Thomas was, uh, came from a position of power. He was being set up by the power right. of the Republican Party. So anyway, yeah. that, that yeah. it became yeah. a hearing that, that just uh, was uh, very... Uh, uh, 
difficult for <laughs> for even the senators to focus on, on how to handle all the issues. Right. The, thing, the hearings were quickly closed down. Yeah, yeah, they did. And again, you know, Clarence Thomas saying the high-tech lynching, that's what he felt like he was being involved in or being a victim of. It blocked it blotted out every other issue and it became a lot easier to push through his nomination. It was a very brilliant, if you will, a very bright way to go about diverting yeah. the attention yeah. and ensuring his, his confirmation because if you didn't vote for him at that point, it was a racial issue and it wasn't about his character or his qualifications to be a Supreme Court justice. Exactly. Uh, I, and okay, well and in the just last couple of minutes uh, that I have you for um uh, what impact, if any, do you think that it's had on we? And I want to let people know. By the way, we're speaking with Frida Lee Mock. She's the director of the film uh, Anita, speaking truth to power. It opens uh, Friday, March twenty-first. That's today, uh, throughout uh, the Los Angeles area, and we'll be rolling out across the country. Um, and we'll get to where you're going to be for the Q and A uh, tonight and tomorrow night, Friday and Saturday night. Um, but what do you, sort of impact we see in the film where Anita Hill has moved on? Her life, in some ways, is thriving. She has, and for all of the trials and tribulations. What about Clarence Thomas in the fact that he rarely, if ever, speaks in the Supreme Court, ever asks questions? Do you think that this did something to, to his uh, his uh, desire to be heard for fear of being found out? Or is there something going on, or was he always like that? Do you, do you have any insight into that? I, I don't to the extent that, of course, we I, I have never uh, seen him, you know, uh, be a judge, you know, and yeah. he was a federal judge, and I, I, I'm not aware of how he, whether he, in fact, he ever, I, that was his style to ask questions or not, whether he did, in fact, do a lot of, you know, uh, questioning from the bench. Uh, and that certainly can be, you know, described as a method of, you know, the Socratic method of learning, mm. which is not the way which is not a style necessarily for everybody. Yeah. So because I've heard that about him, that he doesn't, you know, that's just not his style. Okay. I don't know whether it's because of this experience. I've never heard that equated to that hmm. at all. Hmm. And uh, but as we know, he has a very strong, strong uh, position in that in the nine of the nine. Hmm. Josh Jeffrey Tubin has written about him and how he's maintained his position on a certain, you know, very conservative wing, and, and, and oftentimes the court moves toward him. Well, it's it's Scalia and him usually. There's sort of the two given conservative votes in in, in on the bench. But uh, yeah. Um, well, with that, with that being said, at what at the end of the day has been the impact on Anita Hill uh, and and her legacy uh, over these last twenty years? And I I I'll just go as far as to say I think Anita, your film Anita, speaking truth to power, is is going to have an impact on that perception. Well, yes, to the extent that the story actually, as you see, Anita, as you said, moved on, and actually she moved on to become, uh, actually it's a story of transformation, because she never set out to be a spokesperson for gender equality, but that is what she has become. She really wanted to teach commercial law and contracts, but because of the response of the American public, uh, particularly in the thousands and thousands of letters she's received from the public, um, she's really risen to become, she really felt the responsibility to speak out. And so people look up to her as a um, as a leader and a moral leader in the area of protecting the rights of of women and girls and and men because certain men have benefited in the workplace by by the reforms against sexual harassment. And I think what's uh, her legacy is that there is a next generation of young, uh, particularly women we see in the film, 
who are very, you know, who are taking on the mantle of really looking at a greater uh, gender awareness. You know, you have girls with gender equity, you know, women who are articulate, are knowledgeable of the, the situation, are well-versed, and are very strategically making a difference. So I think certainly her legacy is that she made a huge difference in our understanding sexual harassment in the workplace. And I think now you see it happening, as you mentioned, in the military and in uh, college campuses where issues of harassment and assault are very, uh, you know, are a problem. Right, right. Well, with this general who was just essentially let off, the head of uh, general, one of the top generals Sinclair, in the Sinclair, yeah. who and and but it's not met with a a sound of resignation. It's it's in it's an indignant response to this kind of obvious obvious uh, uh, bias that is uh, towards uh, the chain of command and military, and it's it's disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, that, that's the that's it the was, that's the reaction. It's disgust at this point. It's, it's, it's they don't the, the, the victims are not important. You know, it's it's it's, it's really that this particular ruling went in all the details of his what he did, yeah. and he acknowledges he did. You know, it's just it's it's just a slap on the wrist. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. well, people can uh, can uh, help further the cause by going to see Anita uh, speaking truth to power, telling all their friends to go see it, talking about it, and tell us where you're going to be. Uh, Yes, I'm going to be the weekend. It opens all uh, in three cities, and in L.A. It's going to open the Royal Theater in West L.A., Pasadena Mm -hmm. Playhouse, and Encino Town Center. Mm -hmm. And and I will be doing Q&A at the Royal Friday and Saturday, and on Sunday in the afternoon uh, in Pasadena after the 310 uh, screening. So uh, I'd love love to see all of you at the movie theater. Yeah. And and certainly tell your, you know, if you tell your, ask your mom what she experienced before 91 when she was working. Yeah. And what is it like for or your mom, your aunts, and your father? And your, your, you know, I think young people yeah. can really, uh, it, this, what happened is really affects a lot of young people because they're going into the workplace, they're going into the military, or they may be still con, you know, continuing in, in college. And, and these are areas where uh, there's still need to protect um, women and men from sexual harassment. And, and, and you have the, the, the inspirational change that was started about 20 years ago by Anita Hills, uh, giving voice to, to uh, the truth. Well, I am so honored to have you here, Academy Award-winning uh, director, nominated uh, a number of times for just all kinds of awards for your previous work, including Maya Lin and uh, Rose Kennedy. Uh, was a life remembered, as I recall, and and um, all sorts of great work, including Anita speaking truth to power. Uh, Frida Lee Mock, thank you so much for being on Film School. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.